Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence and Holy Family in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Dan Rhoda, and with me, I have Father Eli Gieske. How are you doing today, Father Eli? Good. Good to be on the show again. Yeah. You know, your your uh, your, your your shows are running out. Yeah. Limited shelf life here. So so um, <laughs> so yeah, we are we are thankful that you are with us. Um, and yeah, probably, I mean, le- I mean, less than a month now. Yeah, yeah, I think there are four weekends. Yeah. So four weekends. This left. weekend, the thirteenth, then the twentieth, the twenty seventh, and the fourth. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's gonna go by quick. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. But um. But kind of speaking of that, the bishop was here this weekend. Yeah, he was here. Um, which, which I, I wish I, I wasn't. So, uh, how, how was it? Yeah, it was good. He did a good job, I think, of processing with people. You know, he he has a good way of talking about what needs to be talked about in a way that helps people feel like. Um, I I, th- I think people felt like their their feelings or what they were thinking or what they've been feeling this last couple of weeks were voiced in his homily. So I think he did a good job with that. And then he kind of also just reminded us as a community that in this time of transition, we're, there's a vulnerability because of, in some sense we're grieving or we're just transitioning. And so there's an opportunity for the devil to come in. He kind of talked about how the devil tempted Jesus in his moment of weakness because he'd been fasting for all these days and he was thinking about, beginning his public ministry and kind of grieving the fa- the change in his life that was about to happen. And that's when the devil comes is when we're, we're struggling. And so the devil can come during this time and try to stir the pot in a sense and get us all riled up about things and cause yeah. division. So um, he just kind of gave us a little warning about that or just, you know, be aware of this. This is when the devil comes and this is how he will come and so forth. Um, so I think, I think it was a good spot on. Um, way to address what people are feeling and just talked about, you know, the f- the emotions that people might be feeling or experiencing and, and that's okay. So, Yeah, yeah, because it, it's always like, it's always bad when somebody, when people don't like a de- uh, decision that was made and then it's just like, it's like, I'm just going to be defensive and be like, this is just the way it is. And mm-hmm. So, which, not that I expected him to be to be that way. Yeah. But, uh, but that doesn't help. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good. And we had our, our parish mission, parish mission. also, yeah. um, which I was at the, the first two parts of it and yeah, yeah, it seemed, it seemed to be really well. Father Michael was great. Yeah. No, I think all, everything I heard, people enjoyed it and were happy with, um, how it went and I was happy with how it went. The only thing that could have gone better is we played cribbage most nights, uh, after everything. And, uh, I won three games, but he won like four games, and two of them he skunked me. So okay. he was way ahead when it comes to like points. So yeah, yeah. I was a little sad about that. And so, yeah, yeah. But other than that, it was a good mission. I was happy with it, and uh, it's good good to see that people came to participate. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. There was a, a good amount of people at, at all the at all the the nights um, mm-hmm. or days. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, that was encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. So, even despite the storm that we had on Saturday night, or the the ice. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was kind of 
weird too because I felt like a couple of days before it was like, we're getting this huge ice storm, you know, two to four inches of ice, you know, <laughs> snow, wind, and then it kind of it happened. I was like, oh yeah, it's it's like slippery out, mm-hmm. but it's uh, like just a little little bit of ice. Yeah, which yeah. I was grateful for, you know. Yeah, that wasn't worse. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm all for uh, no more uh, snow or ice at this point in the year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, well, we have you know. More things still going on uh, during Lent and during this month. Uh, so small groups are starting. To s- are starting. Yeah, some I, there started. was one on Monday, and I know there was one yesterday, and they both seemed to go well. Okay. So, so that's good. Um, the Men's Day of Reflection is March Saturday nineteenth, uh, the Feast of Saint Joseph. Mm-hmm. So fitting day. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, that's going to be here at Saint Lawrence from ten a.m. until three p.m. Costs $15. That includes lunch. So you can register uh, online. And then we also have some sign-up sheets um, in the kind of entrances of the church if you want to just sign up there. Um, and you can either, you know, pay just like in an envelope at at Mass or you can just pay the day of too. So uh, we have Theology of the Body Day. So that is um, March 26th. So that's a Saturday, uh, the next Saturday. And uh, so this is um, gonna, kind of specifically for teens, but also open to um, open to everyone. Um, from what Karen said yesterday, there's gonna be a lot of people there. Yeah. So um, it's be, you know it kind of started off as like a little small thing, and now has become a very a very large thing. Yeah. She said like moving closer to 200 people. So yeah. It's yeah. gonna be a lot. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. So that is um, an event. Uh, but but uh, yeah, that's just gonna be a. Like a great day to really understand theology of the body, uh, what that is, you know, what, um, like why God designed us the way that He did, and uh, yeah, yeah. If you've never heard anything about it, it's it's uh, um, worth checking out. It's, it's yeah, it's worth checking out. And this one specifically with Father Mike and Nick Davidson um, is very well done. Yeah. So, and then uh, yeah, the, the last the last thing I have on my list is uh, let's listen. So, um, have Father doing it? Explain. Let's listen. Yeah. <clears throat> so we, as a diocese, we're kind of on this, um, taking this opportunity, the next month or so, to have these sessions, allow people to come to them, and share with uh, Bishop and his team what gives them hope. Uh, so kind of reflecting on that and what. What has caused hurt? You know, kind of those two things. Um, and to reflect on Scripture together and kind of go through this process together. So it's basically a way for him to kind of get a sense of where we are as a people in the diocese. And then to try to, he's going to try to come up with a game plan in terms of like, how do we go on mission from here? How do we go forward from here? Um, and so we all have a, par- uh, a way to participate in that. You can either go online and fill out the questions, um, watch the video of his little spiel about what it is. Uh, you can also cut it out and mail it in from the, um, the Northern Cross this month, I believe. Um, or you can go to one of these sessions. So we have one in our cluster at St. Lawrence on the 24th, which is a Thursday at 5.30. And it'll be probably about an hour and a half. And then, and then there's also one at St. James. We're kind of doing it together with St. James. Uh, St. James is hosting one the next Thursday, which is the 31st of March, 
and that's at 6.30. So you can go to either one. You can go to another one if there's another one in the uh, different parish that you want to go to. Um, I went to the one at the cathedral, which was the opening one for our deanery. Um, it was good. It was um, There's probably about 80 people there or something like that. It's hard to count, but it's a good number of people. I would say that was probably the most diverse they'll probably see in terms of ages and because it was people from all over the deanery, not just cathedral people. Yeah. Um, whereas I would imagine that most of the other ones are going to be mostly from the parishes they're hosted in, but who knows? We'll see. Um, so I'd encourage people to take part in this. Um, it's a opportunity to give your input. Um, and it's not just meant to be a complaining session. It's meant to be, how do we see the Holy Spirit guiding us in this time? And how do we see the Holy Spirit leading us um, into mission? So, um, yeah. Yeah, great. Um, well, yeah, we're going to jump back into our uh, kind of series that we're doing on the Beatitudes. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, a couple of them and just, yeah, talk about what they are, uh, how we can live them out in the world, um, and and also look at how Jesus uh, lived them out on the cross. So uh, before we do that, though, Father, could you open us in a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, we, we come before you this day. We offer you our needs and our prayers, those of our parishioners. We pray for their um, intentions. We also pray, Lord, for peace in our world as we continue to watch what's happening in Ukraine. We pray for peace between Russia and Ukraine um, and for wisdom for our leaders as they try to make decisions about how to um, how to address that whole situation. Um, we also continue to pray for Father Anthony as he prepares to come here for all of our parishioners to be open and receptive to him, uh, that that would be a good um, relationship that develops there. And we entrust all these needs to our mother to her intercession as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Great. Thanks, Father. Uh, so yeah, as I uh, talked about two weeks ago, so Bishop Fulton Sheen has this book, The Cross and the, and the Beatitudes, which it's just a small little kind of more of a pamphlet type of book. Um, but it, uh, but yeah, it, it connects each beatitude to something that Jesus like acted out on the cross, mm-hmm. which for the most part was his words because he was just kind of, you know, nailed there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but, but so it kind of, it goes through each of the, uh, each of the Beatitudes and connects it to, uh, yeah, a word and kind of just breaks it down and kind of talks about it. Um, which yes, some of it is, um, it, yeah, it's kind of funny cause he, uh, you can tell what time he lived in because he was just like talking about basically like being a Christian or being a communist. The, the, mm. Like, like that was like the, 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 the anti, uh, Christian, which I guess to it, to a certain extent. Um, but, uh, but you know, they're, uh, yeah, just really, uh, but I, I mean, that would have been what the, like the 50s, 60s or 50s, 60s, 70s. Depends on when he yeah. wrote the book, but yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, very interesting that in our country now there's sort of movement towards people want communisms and some people do anyway, mm-hmm. or at least socialism. Yeah. So it's interesting like how things have changed, but yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, I guess I don't, we, we don't have to get into like the whole communism part but yeah 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 that, that, that is like a I've, I've i've heard that before where it's like oh we want like the like the good like ideal socialism which um which no no nation has ever accomplished yeah, yeah accomplished so um um yeah so i guess we can jump into the first uh the first one which which he talks about meekness so it's uh blessed are the meek so they shall um inherit the earth um, and, and, and how he says it here is, uh, for they shall possess the land, um, which, um, which even kind of thinking about that, it's like, oh, that doesn't like make a ton of sense. Like, like that, like reward kind of seems weird, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but then the, um, so the line, uh, or the words that Jesus says that he kind of connects to this is father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Do, 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 do you have any thoughts about that? Like right off the bat? Yeah. So, you know, I think when we hear the word meek, <laughs> we think of like weak, you know, like a person who's kind of like quiet and kind of always very, uh, you know, kind of controlled by others and that sort of thing. Like, yeah. They're like a pushover. Yeah, they're they're easy to manipulate and that sort of thing. Um but you know, Christ yes, he went he was brought to the cross, he was in some sense weak, he was meek. He allowed himself to be brought there, but not because he couldn't do otherwise, but because he did it out of love for us, right? So there was a, a sense of I'm doing this for for love of others, and so, in some sense, meekness, um, we accept sometimes the abuse of others, or the the even the the attempts at manipulation by others, um, to a certain point. But you know, we in some sense, it's I I'm I'm willing to to fight against evil when injustice is being done that's when i fight or when um when the life of my loved ones is is being threatened then that's yeah. when i fight so it's more of a selfless way of being than a self-centered way of being yeah yeah and and, and i i think he talks about it at some point i don't think i put in, in the notes though that he talks about like the ego and like the meek, like a meek person, won't fight back, or won't fight when his uh, or her like ego is challenged. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not. Um, they. It's it like it's not a personal thing, or they won't like. Yeah, fight back if if the ego is challenged. But if, um, yeah, it's more of like for like they'll fight for an idea, yeah. or for for like justice, but not like injustice upon themselves. Right. If accepting the abuse of others keeps uh, keeps the violence from increasing or, or growing or whatever, like if Jesus would have fought back or would have started like an uprising or something like that, there would have been war and probably the Romans would have come in and, and said, look at these people, they're 
fighting against each other or whatever. We need to, and so there would have been a lot more death and so forth. And that was not his goal. His goal was to help people see uh, the reality of who God was and that God came to to die for them. So in that moment, he he offered himself as a victim um, for the greater good. Um, and that's not always easy to do for us as human beings to, to accept that role of sacrifice in, in moments and to be self-possessed and not, not to escalate conflict or to strike back, but to say, I'm not, I'm not going to go down that road. Uh, well, we can go on to the next, uh, the next beatitude, um, which is, uh, blessed are they who are merciful for they shall obtain mercy. And then the the passage that he puts along with this is, uh, this day you will be with me in paradise. So, um, so th- that comes from when he's talking to, um, or when he's on the cross, and uh, there's the, the, the two thieves on both sides of him, and uh, the one thief is just like, hey, if you're God, like, get us out of this. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other thief kind of just says, like, do you have, like, no shame? Like, <clears throat> this guy... Um, is innocent, but like we are guilty, and the Lord responds to that with with mercy. You know, this day you will be with me in paradise. So it's the great generosity of God that even if a life is lived in separation from Him or closed off to Him, but in a moment becomes aware, uh, the Lord offers abundant grace in that moment to to uh, to that man bring salvation. So does the same with us if we are willing so yeah and something that i thought was very interesting is that um so fulton sheen talks about that mercy is derived from the latin word of miserum core which means a sorrowful heart and he says that mercy therefore is a compassionate understanding of another's happiness um which which is definitely different than, I guess, my the way that I just think of mercy. Like, I just kind of, like, allocate mercy, like, mercy equals forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he kind of takes it, like, a step further, and it's, like, not just, like, forgiving it, but, like, understanding their, like, their misery. Mm-hmm. Their sorrow, yeah. Like, yeah, understanding their sorrow. Uh, like, almost, like, kind of the ultimate form of empathy. Mm-hmm. And then, because, like, if you're in that, you, like you probably won't, like, judge someone, right. right? If you, like, really understand what they're going through. Right, yeah. So his heart becomes open to them, just to reach out to them, to enter into their sorrow even, in a sense, uh, to be with them there. Um, so, yeah, that's a beautiful thing to think about. Jesus wants to enter into our brokenness, um, so he, in a, if we talk about the, the good thief, what is going through the good thief's mind at, at this moment? Maybe he's looking back on his life and just, um, regrets, you know, all the things that led me to this point, you know, a life lived, we don't really know his whole story, but obviously he's the good thief. So he was a thief. So he stole things. Um, who knows what other crimes he he committed for whatever reason but jesus sees into it and uh as a confessor this is something that 
I have just a taste of, I would say, is being with people in their in their brokenness and how much the Lord wants to be with us there and and come into that place of our hearts where because of our brokenness, because of the circumstances that led us to sin, because of our weakness that we chose sin rather than what was right, we can feel so defeated in that moment or so low in that moment. And um, and Jesus enters into that and wants to free us from that. Um, and he wants to tell us, this day you will be with me in paradise. Like basically he wants to say, there's a way for you to be saved in despite your your fallenness, despite your brokenness, despite your sinfulness, there's a way in which I can save you from this if you would but trust in me. And the thief does, right? He, remember me when you come into your kingdom, Lord, he says to Jesus. And that's when Jesus says to him, this day you will be, you will be with me in paradise. So we are never beyond God's mercy. We're never beyond God's grace. Um, and, you know, in some sense, if we go back to the Beatitude, blessed are they, they who are merciful, for they shall re- obtain mercy. It's kind of go, goes back to this thing. We need to forgive. Uh, the gospel from yesterday even um, made this point. Like we need to, if we want our own sins to be forgiven, we need to forgive. And so um, sometimes we can be so righteous and that we're right and others are wrong, or we can only see the, the wrongs of others instead of focusing on our own need for mercy. But when we become aware of our own mercy and, and, and recognize that, it opens the door to giving others mercy, right? And to um, being able to, to let go of the, the need to get even or the need to um, punish, that sort of thing. So God looks at us and he wants nothing but mercy for us. But he, in a sense, binds us by saying, if you don't show mercy to others, I won't show mercy to you. Like, this is in your power to do. Um, and sometimes it, uh, God kind of is very patient with us and it takes time. Sometimes we have to have an experience of brokenness before we're willing to show mercy because we, we can be blind to our own need for it at times. But uh. Yeah, uh, Fulton Sheen says something that is uh, really interesting. Um, he says, Jesus was interested in the sinner's not because of their merits, but because of their misery hmm. and kind of going back to the, like entering into someone else's like misery. Um, like I was just thinking like, Oh, that's the complete opposite of my life. Like I want to be oh, like, I'm missing people because of like the things that make them interesting or cool or whatever. Like not, not like I don't like my, my default isn't, Oh, that person looks like they're really suffering right now. I should go and like, I'm interested in what's going on in their life. Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't want, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it is an interesting thing. God looks at the world differently than we do, and um, in some sense, we need to be trained to to see with the eyes of God, and that doesn't naturally come to us always. You know? Yeah. So it's a it's a transformation that happens sometimes in a moment, sometimes slowly over time, that we become people of mercy. Yeah, so important because we can bind ourselves. We can bind ourselves by our unmercifulness 
you know, ultimate justice. God is ultimately just, so he will, there is justice in God, but he's also mercy, mercy and mercy triumphs just, justice. So in some sense, God binds us to justice. So if we are, if we wrong others, we wrong God, we wrong ourselves, we're held accountable to that. So, you know, by our sins, we deserve death. We, we merit death. There's, there's, there's no question of that. Um, but God also ultimately says, my mercy will triumph over justice. So if you seek mercy, you ask for mercy, and you give mercy, that will overcome what you are owed in justice, which is eternal punishment, eternal separation from God. So um, when we put it in that light, it's like, wow, like God is so willing to go the extra mile for us, you know, um, and he did. That's what he did on the cross. So Yeah. Yeah, and he also, like, says m- multiple times that if we want mercy, we need to show mercy, yes. you know? Yeah. Like, forgive those who trespass against you, mm-hmm. you know? Like... Let me say that our Father, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, there's m- multiple times where he says, like, I will give you, you know, I'll, I'll give you all the mercy that you need, mm-hmm. but you have to show the other people mercy. Yeah. And so... Yeah, it's it's a good... Reminder for us in this culture, in this day and age, where we're not very merciful. We, and probably to some degree, that's the continuing state of humanity is that we find it difficult to show mercy, especially when we've personally been wronged or someone we love has personally been wronged. Um, It's a trap, though. It's a trap of the evil one to get stuck in vengeance or... Um, hatred or all those things they, they lead to um, it, it feels maybe good in the moment or feels right in the moment but ultimately leads to locking our souls away so God keeps prodding at our hearts and knocking at our hearts and saying mercy triumphs, mercy triumphs you need mercy, give mercy so yeah um, great well you think we have time for one more? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, so the last one is, uh, blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall see God. And then the passage that goes along with this is, uh, behold, um, or son, behold your mother, uh, woman, behold your son. So when he, uh, gives his mother Mary to his uh, beloved disciple John. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, something that kind of stuck out to me in this is just that like the, well, obviously uh, Mary was uh, about as pure as heart as any human could be. Um, but also John was looked at in a similar, I mean, not to the, that level, but in, in a similar way, especially even just like upon, like from the, like the apostles, he was kind of like more of the like perfect one a yeah, little bit. The innocent. Yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of like these two, um, huge like players who were both looked at as like had very like pure hearts were like close to Jesus, like in, on the cross. And so almost just like this, like, like the, 
pure our hearts are, like the purer they love, the pure, like the closer we can actually like get to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. St. Thomas Aquinas talks about this is really important uh, chastity or cleanness of heart. He kind of looks at it more from, from just kind of that, I guess, you know, if, if we're lusting or we're caught up in concupiscence, always sort of desiring or seeking out bodily pleasure, especially in the sexual sense, we get blinded to God and the things of God and our, our conscience is darkened and we're, we're just not able to see God and with clarity. On the other hand, if we're able to remain chaste, if we're able to remain pure in our thoughts, in our actions, like the mind expands and the mind is able to comprehend deep, more deeply the things of God, the mystery of God. Um, not that we'll ever fully grasp God, but it's like there's, a, there's an avenue that's opened when we have chastity in our life and that avenue is closed when we um, pursue a life of unchaste, whether it's in thought or deed. So, um, so it's a, you know, in our day, unfortunately, we almost take it for granted that the body is meant to be objectified you know, advertising, entertainment, even in speech sometimes, the body is so abused or, or manipulated or, or whatever. Instead of being this this gift um, and this sign, it becomes sort of this tool to, to get what I want or to pleasure myself or... Uh, or seek pleasure or whatever. And so we've, we've kind of lost touch with the beauty of how we were made. Um, and that's hopefully what we'll be talking about on the Theology of the Body Day is kind of re- restoring this purity of heart or at least understanding that perspective so that we can strive for it in a culture that in many ways has lost touch with the what it means to be pure of heart. So, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of what I mean, Fulton Sheen talks about too, because he's like two ways of like, I mean, the two different avenues of living out uh, like purity in our lives are through uh, like marriage and then through or else through like about chastity. So like holy orders or mm-hmm. um, and he was also saying how like, well, and the world hates both of those, you know. Um, and so like that's something that is uh is interesting, and even him saying that fifty years ago, yeah. or maybe seventy years ago, yeah, like it was a while ago, yeah, yeah, and even within the sacrament of matrimony, sometimes people see it. I think, especially when people are struggling with chastity with a girlfriend or boyfriend or something like that, they sometimes think if we get married, then then I'll be able to be chased, or at least. There's sort of a license to kill in a sense, like I, now, now we can do whatever we want. But it's like no, you're you're still bound to chastity, meaning you can't use your spouse as an object. You can't. Uh, it's unhealthy to um, to act in a way that is um, 
reducing the dignity of the other person. So um, sometimes we th- we think of like sometimes we reduce the sacrament of marriage like down to like oh now it's okay to have sex. It's like <laughs> that is such a reduction of what it's meant to be, and um, so it's, it's unfortunate, right? So it's kind of like we need to restore like this gift, this this beautiful life that's meant to be lived, um, and recover the sexual uh, identity of, of the person and, and what that, how, how that's lived out in a healthy way. So again, when you're living chastely with your spouse, uh, even if you're having sex, there's, there's an ability to see God more clearly when you're living within the realm of what God has designed, how he made us. As soon as we start to objectify or lust or, or use the other person, whether it's in our thoughts or in our, in our actual uh, body, bodily actions, um, that's when the things get clouded and we start, the things of God become harder to see. Our hearts become hard and our hearts become more closed off to the ability to see God. So um, there's a direct correlation there, and that's what the Beatitude is getting at. And it's kind of beautiful to think about, like, um, this is a way in which we can see God. And it makes sense, you know, as um, the sexual drive, the imagination, these are very powerful human powers that we have. And so when they are, become disordered, they lead us quickly away from God. But when they're ordered... Uh, they give us a great fluidity in the things of God and, myst- and to enter into the mystery of God. Um, even the sexual embrace itself is a sign that in some sense points us to God when it's when it's uh, in marriage and in a, a chaste way. So people, I think it strikes people as funny, like how can you have a sexual union with someone in a chaste way? Like we did... We don't think of that. It's like, well, if you're married, that's that's what it is. You know, that's the potential is there for that, and that's what it's meant to be. Um, so it's not a use, but it's a giving of ourselves. It's not a um, a seeking after pleasure in itself, but it's a seeking after a union with another person, a love for this person. And so um, it's like we have to kind of relearn or reconsider like what is being offered, and it's a gift, which is. Um, far surpassing when we take, right? So when we do it outside of marriage for pleasure or because we can't control ourselves or whatever, it's a it's a taking, it's a trying to seek after pleasure or seek after connection with this person. Even if we feel like we love them or we do love them, to say that I'm I'm loving you but I'm giving myself to you when we're not bound to one another, there's there's a certain disorder there. So it's a it's a, a big topic that Hopefully, again, we can unpack more at that Theology of the Body Day or, or just in our study of what the church teaches on sexuality because uh, I think it's a thing that really, really misunderstood in our world today, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, that's all that I have. I don't know, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, I don't think so. Just encourage people to... Pray with the Beatitudes. These are beautiful things to ponder and um, to to understand 
the richness of scripture, you know, that there's, there's a depth there to, to meditate on. And during Lent, it's a beautiful time to spend more time in the word of God. So great. Well, thank you, Father Eli. And thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we hope you have a great, uh, great time in Lent and uh, we will catch you next week.